We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 66. Our guest today is one of my favorite riders to watch in the ring. She has so much talent, and she has the most amazing horses. I love her story, and I was so honored to have her on the podcast. So let's welcome our guest, Karen Pohl. Let's chat. I'd love to hear about how you first got into the equestrian world. Okay. I started riding when I was seven years old. Okay. I didn't know anything about horses and neither did my family. We were definitely not a riding family. We had a country house in New Jersey that we would go to every weekend. And there was a small stable near there that we would drive by every weekend on the way to our country house. And I used to just look out the window and see it every weekend when we were driving to the country. And one day I just said to my dad that I wanted to try riding. So when we got to the house, he called the riding school that was there and set up a lesson for me the following weekend. And so we went. I didn't have any riding gear or anything like that. So I wore these like... They were like patent leather rain boots that I had that had a little heel. (laughs) And uh, I borrowed a helmet from the riding school and I got on this bay pony named PG. It stood for Bay Girl, I think. Love it. (laughs) And and it just started from there. And I really, really enjoyed my first lesson. So I went back the following weekend for another lesson. And then it kind of became like, two lessons a weekend. And then I started doing summer camp at that stable and it sort of grew from there. That's amazing. I really hope you documented and have a picture of that first lesson. I have to, maybe. uh, I I would love to see those boots. It's quite entertaining looking. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. That's amazing. So you started riding. I'm currently, where were you living during the week? Oh, you mean at the time? Yeah. We were living in New York City. Okay. You had done a few lessons a weekend, started doing summer camp. At what point were you like, I want to go hard at this and and ride more than just weekends and over the summer? I think first it started with, I just love being with the horses so much. And like summer camp was the best time of my year. I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. And at that stable, it was within New Jersey and it was more like local shows. So I started showing there and got getting a taste of that. And I did equitation hunter type stuff. And then when I was 13 years old, I wanted to compete more and kind of bring myself to the next level. So that's when I moved to Beacon Hill to train with Stacia Madden. And that's where I first got the taste of this bigger nationwide circuit that existed at this higher level. And I was still primarily interested in the equitation. So that was sort of my main focus. And then I started doing jumpers as well. But I always thought of the equitation as my main focus. And then as I did more and more jumpers, I started loving that aspect of it too. And then that's then obviously my focus shifted to jumpers after my junior career ended. Amazing. Tell me a little bit about some highlights of your junior career as an equitation rider. I'd say that I didn't really figure it out until my last junior year. (laughs) Just in time. (laughs) 
finally that year it started clicking. I had an amazing, amazing equitation horse named Radius H who I loved. And then Lake Placid had this Kathy Shaw championship. I'm not sure if they still run it or if it has a different name now, but you had to qualify for it by being first or second in a class during the show. And then they had that special class at the end. And then I ended up winning that. And there was a test for the top four in that class. And we had to do it without stirrups. And it was like really stressful, but it was cool. And then I won a mountain bike and that was really exciting. Okay. I might won like cool prize. Yeah, right. Uh, and then I'd say those are probably the two biggest equitation victories I had. Yeah, totally. So you said senior year finally was clicking for you. Up until that point, what were some of your struggles in the equitation ring? My main struggle came from the fact that I just wasn't very accurate. Okay. <laughs> so I would you know miss quite a bit so my biggest struggles were just that it took me a little bit of time to kind of figure out my eye and figure out how to get the right canner to set up the jump and stuff like that so it just took me a little bit longer than maybe some of the other riders or even my sister who's younger she had a much easier time at it than me (laughs) yeah that's so funny what were some things that you did that you felt like helped develop your eye I think the biggest thing at that time was just practice. I think the more you practice over, it can even be a pull on the ground or small jumps, the better you're going to get at exercising your eye about seeing things earlier so you can make adjustments and just starting to figure out how you should be riding the canner and the turn to set up the jump properly and stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. Besides Stacia, who have been some influences in your riding life as far as any advice you've been given or any people that you look up to? There's there's a lot of riders that I actually really look up to. I'd say Scott Brash is someone I really, really look up to. I think he's, aside from being a beautiful, beautiful rider, I think he's also very, very kind to the horses. And I think he treats the horses really, really well. And I think he really demonstrated through his accomplishments that he's great under pressure. And in fact, he excels in a high pressure environment. And that's something that I think is so important as a rider, because you have to be able to keep your nerves under control, but also be able to really shine when it counts. And so I've really, really admired what he's done with winning the Rolex Grand Slam and his Olympic success and everything. Totally. Do you get nervous when you are in the ring? I don't get nervous when I'm actually in the ring because I'm too busy focusing on what I'm doing, but I get nervous before I show. Yeah. Like when you're in the schooling ring or before that point? When I'm in the schooling ring, I might sometimes feel a bit jittery, but once we've started doing the warm up jumps, I'm normally so focused on what I'm doing that I don't notice feeling nervous or anything like that. So it's yeah. probably more like before I get on and maybe when I first get on and I'm like starting to warm up. Yeah, totally. So let's continue on with your story. Once you finish your junior career and you were starting to move on to your focus with the jumpers, where were you at mentally and what did you think about your plan going forward? So the fall, like indoor season of my last junior year that I really started thinking of the jumpers as my main focus. I had three really, really nice junior jumpers at the time. 
And I had a really successful indoor season and I won the U.S. National Junior Jumper Championship. So with that, I was really excited about jumpers and I really wanted to give that a go. And then once I started doing more of like the amateur classes and starting to move into a little bit of the open jumper classes, like the Florida after that, I realized that I had a lot to learn which I already sort of knew, like I never thought that I knew everything by any means, but I realized that I really didn't know anything. (laughs) Um, And that was definitely overwhelming, but I just, I really, really wanted to work really hard at it and see where I could go. So I tried to just keep going basically. Yeah. What did you feel like was the main difference from riding as a junior to riding after your junior year? Did you go directly to professional status or were you riding as an amateur? I stayed an amateur. I'd say the biggest difference though is when you're a junior, you're competing against other juniors, obviously, and they're all within a certain age range. So you're competing against people who are more or less your age, maybe a couple years difference. But once you start moving into the amateurs and the open jumpers, I wasn't jumping big, big Grand Prix or anything like that, but I was doing maybe like open meter 40, Mm -hmm. meter 45 classes. Now you're competing against some amateurs who are older and much more experienced, but also the professionals who are like really doing this. And some of them have Olympic gold medals and some of them have been winning Grand Prix since before you were born. So it's just a whole nother league. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so different for me. Yeah. Do you feel like that messed with you a little bit, like mentally when you were showing your competing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was definitely overwhelming for me to now start competing against people who had achieved so much. And so it was intimidating in that regard. But then also, I think some of the courses were more difficult and more technical because the course builder was also building for people who had a different skill, like just a more advanced skill level because these people are more experienced. Yeah. So it was just kind of more overwhelming and intimidating on multiple fronts. Totally. So did you find that kind of ripping off the band-aid and be like, hey, I'm just going to like put in the hours, put in the rides. Was that the best situation that helped you get more comfortable with it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think with anything to reach the next level and to advance, you just have to stick through it and keep going and not give up. And it's definitely not going to be easy, but you would just have to kind of persevere through that difficult time. Totally. So what does life look like for you on a day-to-day basis? Like, let's say it's a week leading up to a big class. What does that look like for you and for your horses? You mean when we're at home or when we're at the show? Let's say at the show. So at the show, so let's say the big class is on Sunday that I'm, that's the class that I'm kind of gearing my whole week towards. Then I'll work backwards from Sunday to figure out what my horse for that class should be jumping earlier in the week to get ready. So some things to keep in mind are, is there a qualifier for that class? So if there's a qualifier, obviously you want to be good for qualifier day, but then you also want to peak again for Grand Prix day. Right. And then I'll work back from that and say, okay, is there a warm-up class that I want to be doing? And maybe the warm-up class, do I want to jump the whole course or do I just want to jump part of it and let my horse see the ring, but then save some of his or her jumps or something like that. I also consider like, it's always nicer for them to have a day off in between jumping classes if possible. So I kind of work through my schedule before I get to the show, like what kind of classes I'm aiming for. And obviously this can change based on if my horse is feeling really, really fresh or 
there's bad weather one day and we have to jump the next day or whatever it might be. But I have sort of that base plan for which classes I want to be jumping. And then depending on the horse, it sort of depends how much flat work the horse is going to need before, like maybe before the show starts or even once we get to the show, either before the class or the day before the class. Like Wings, for instance, can be quite fresh at the show. So sometimes he needs a little bit more work than some of my other horses who are more chill. So I really try to think through what I'm doing every day so that I don't have to work them too hard on one day. So they're not too tired, but that I can have him in a really like kind of relaxed state for the actual days that he needs to be competing. Totally. Yeah. Makes total sense. What are some of your favorite exercises to take the horses through at home? I'd say first, just in general at home, it's, this isn't maybe a specific exercise, but one thing I try to do a lot at home is mix up the work. So especially now in uh, this quarantine time, I've been taking the time to do to go on the canals here in Wellington where we can just trail ride the horses and they can get outside and kind of freshen up mentally and physically a little bit. So just in general, my philosophy for being at home is just to mix it up as much as possible. So maybe we do a trail day one day, maybe we work on kind of more like dressage type work another day, maybe a third day we do more stretching, kind of easy work and just sort of mix that up. Or maybe we do one day where we gallop quite a bit just to like get the heart rate up and work on the cardio aspect of their fitness a bit more. So that's sort of like the thing that I'd say governs what I try to do at home the most. And then as far as specific exercises, I like to do a lot with poles on the ground because you can practice a lot of stuff without putting the strain on the horse's legs of jumping. So, and then if you make a mistake, you can just do it again. It's not like you're taking anything out of the horses. Right. So I do some with where I set some canter poles and I do that, or I also do some trot poles sometimes too. Love it. So I, I polled my audience and we have quite a few questions of people who are dying to hear your answers. So <laughs> I'm just going to rapid fire through some of these and we're going to answer them. I think some of them I may have asked already, but someone asked, how high do you jump at home? Not very high. I'd say probably maximum meter 25 or meter 30. Sometimes if the horses haven't jumped in a while, I might jump a little bit bigger, like meter 35 or meter 40, but never, it would only be like maybe one line or two, nothing. I don't usually jump a whole course at bigger than that at home. Got it. What would be some advice that you would give to someone to be the best possible version and the best possible rider for your horse? I would say always put the horse first. That was one of the things that I learned at my first barn. I think it's a great thing to learn early on. It's something that I always carried with me. They used to always tell us like, when you get off, first thing you do is you have to take care of your horse. Before you go get a drink, before you go eat anything like that, you have to make sure your horse is cooled off and comfortable before you go do anything else. And I think it's a great guiding principle. Yeah, for sure. What would be some advice that someone in the industry has given to you? I think the best advice is I think not to let the difficult days define you, I guess, at least for me, I'm sure other people feel this way as well, but sort of like your last round, everything kind of rests on that round. Yeah. And so if you just have one bad day, it can feel like everything is over. You're a horrible rider. Everything is Why bad. am I even doing this? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of discount everything before that, Yeah, which you've had success doing. And like all the, the thousands of other days and jumps that you've done really well, 
it's one round or one bad jump where it just makes you feel worthless. So it's really important to remember that one round or one jump does not define you as a rider. And it, it's important to remember that everyone has bad days, even the best, and you just have to keep going and you can't, you, you should learn from your mistakes, definitely. But once you learn from them, you have to put them behind you and look forward and keep going. Totally. Yeah, that's really good advice. I want to take a minute to talk to you about one of my favorite equestrian marketing agencies, and that is Meraki Creative Group. Meraki Creative Group is a global growth acceleration agency working with brands in the equestrian and the outdoor lifestyle space. So whether you are an athlete, a brand, or provide a service or a product, Meraki Creative Group is totally for you if you're looking to expand upon branding, digital marketing, graphic design, web design, photography, growth and strategy. PR, media, marketing expansion, brand representation, you name it, Meraki Creative Group is totally for you. So you can learn more at merakicreative.ca, that is M-E-R-A-K-I creative.ca, or you can reach out to Britt over Instagram, and her Instagram is M-C-G, as in Meraki Creative Group, dot B-R-I-T, Britt. So that's M-C-G dot Britt. All right, let's get back to the episode. What are some of your favorite moments of your career? That's a good question. <laughs> I would say there's a couple. I'd say one of them is the Wagon Tryon in 2018. It was my first championship and I got to go with Wings, which was really special for me because we've been a team for so long and we made it to the individual final. We made it to the last day, which was something that I never even thought I was capable of doing, but something that I'd always kind of dreamed of doing. So it was really, really, just really, really fun and really an amazing experience. It was something that we planned the entire year around to peak for that moment. So it was really nice when everything came together at that moment. Yeah. I'd also say a couple of WEFs ago, Wings and I won the, one of the five-star weeks of WEF. We won the Grand Prix qualifier, the, like the WEF class and the Grand Prix in the same week. Wow. And that, it, it was just, that was such a cool feeling. I think I didn't sleep for a week after that. <laughs> and we were jumping against some of the best riders and horses in the world. So that was something that I'll never forget. That was a really cool, cool week for us, definitely. Yeah, incredible. So the next question I have is, what do you think about when you walk into a big class? When I'm on the way into the ring, I actually try not to be thinking at all. Instead of kind of thinking mentally and having my mind race, at this point, I've done my training at home. I've done that homework. I've already gone over the course, both myself and with my trainer, so I know my plan. And so when I'm actually going into the ring, I try not to be thinking. and I just try to be really present on my connection to the horse and what's in front of me. What do you look for when you are purchasing a new horse? I guess there are certain qualities that I'd say most people look for in a jumper, like scope, carefulness, balance, agility, all those types of things. One of the most important factors for me, though, is heart or fight. I think a horse who will fight for you and has a lot of heart and is always thinking about you know, wanting to do it and wanting to jump and wanting to help you get to the other side is always going to be the most successful horse. So I'd say one of the most important qualities for me is 
a heart and a horse is going to dig in when it gets hard and be there for you if maybe the distance isn't perfect or something like that. Absolutely. And what is the story behind how you found each one of your current horses that you show? First, wings. It was beginning of my last junior year and I was in Florida and I was actually looking for a kind of like meter 50 horse that I could move up on. So a horse that was more seasoned, maybe a little bit older. But then Stacia said that she found wings and she said I should try him. So he wasn't, he was younger than what we were looking for. He was seven years old. He was still quite green, but I got on him and I immediately fell in love with him and I just needed to have this horse. So it's quite funny because now like we, you know, we fly to Europe or something to find a horse, but Wings is right here in Wellington. And when I went to go pick him up, I just walked over to their tent at the show and brought him to our tent at the show. (laughs) (laughs) Do you vividly remember that trial? I do actually. I remember, I have this kind of like image in my head of when I was riding him around the ring. And I remember this one double that we jumped and I remember this one vertical that we jumped and I remember picking him up also and walking him back to the Oh my gosh. What was his demeanor like during your trial? He has always been very spunky. So he kind of had that spunky attitude. And I remember this is still something he does today, but he has this kind of pony trick where he pretends that he has an itch <laughs> to get out of work. So uh, he'll be like trotting and he'll be acting like there's like this something horrible bothering his leg. So I let him stop and then he's mm-hmm. itching his leg. Or if there's grass around, he'll start eating the grass. So oh my God. That was something he did when he was seven. And that's something he still does today. <laughs> I love it. That is so funny. Yeah. What about your other horses? My horse, Kino. I actually went to, I got him from Ludger Bierbaum and I actually went there to try a different horse. And then I ended up seeing Kino and Kino had this amazing, amazing jump and he was so powerful and I really, really enjoyed riding him. So that's how that happened. (laughs) And then my horse, Little Lord, I actually just missed buying Little Lord two years before I bought him. I had seen videos of him and then I wanted to go try him, but someone had beat me to it and they hadn't even officially bought him yet, but it was kind of like as good as done. And then I tried to buy him from them, but they didn't want to sell him because they just bought him. So then I waited two years and then they finally decided to sell him. And then I got him then. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Very determined because I really liked him. Yeah. And then my horse, Celine, I got her in May of last year. And I saw a video of her jumping in Spain last winter. And I was like, Oh, this horse looks really nice. So then I asked my trainer about her and then I ended up trying her and I bought her then. Amazing. And then Jet Run, who's my latest addition to the team. I got him in January of this year. And I'd been kind of following him for a little bit and I really liked him and I flew to Europe, tried him, and then we decided to buy him later that day. So that was really cool. Amazing. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, all kind of different stories about how you got them. Yeah, that's so cool. What would be a piece of advice that you'd give to someone looking to take on more of a full-time career in this industry? I'd say I think a great way to get started is to try to work for a professional that you really 
admire, whether it's for their riding ability or for the way they treat their horses or the way they run their business or something like that. And try to either see if you can work for them or be a working student or something like that, because working in their barn and learning from them, you're going to learn so much about how there's just so many aspects of running a stable that you don't really learn any other way except by doing it and kind of being thrown into it. So it's a great way to kind of learn like the care of the horses, the way to structure the program, the thinking through the schedule, even the way to manage the ordering of like feed, shavings, hay, just to make sure you never run out of anything, all of that stuff. And I think it's kind of the best way to learn is from someone who's already doing it successfully and kind of in a way that you admire. Mm -hmm. And I think that way you'll get a lot of experience. And then maybe at that stable, there will be opportunities for growth, or maybe it'll be a good thing on your resume that you can then go somewhere else and you'll have a good recommendation from that place or something like that. I think it's a great way. Yeah. That's amazing advice. It's something like why try to struggle reinventing the wheel when there are, you know, several people out there that have it like a well working machine and have had all the years of making it perfect. So, I mean, there might be some things that you also think like could be done differently or Mm -hmm. maybe some improvements you can think of. And that's something you can incorporate in your own program as you kind of get more and more independence one day. Right. Um, But I think there's definitely something to be learned from everybody. And maybe you take a piece of what one person did that you learned, and then you take a piece of what another person did that you learned and kind of combine it to make your own program, which I think is also great. So I think just to learn from a lot of different people, if you can, is the best way. Totally. And we did get quite a few questions about wings. So (laughs) this is a section dedicated for him. (laughs) We all know watching wings, he has his quirks. So what are some of his quirks? By the way, wings is my favorite topic. So I can spend (laughs) all day talking about him. We'll do a follow-up episode just about wings. (laughs) (laughs) What are some of his quirks? Oh, he has many. Just some facts maybe that people don't know about him. First of all, he's afraid of gray horses. Really? What does he do? He'll, if I'm riding in the ring with them, he'll spin and he'll run away. Or if he sees them walking, he'll stop and he'll put his head really high up and like stare at them and see. I wonder why. He is afraid of ponies also. He finds them very suspect. (laughs) Um... And then gray ponies are maybe the scariest thing to yeah, ever walk the earth. It's a terrible combination. Um, that's that's really terrifying. Um, any kind of horse that's like a funny, I don't want to say funny color, but like different color. So yeah. like paint horses, like Palomino type horses, like that's really scary. Oh um, <laughs> um, and he carriages, like if a horse is pulling a carriage, that's really scary. Uh-huh. Um, that can be a problem. <laughs> um, his best trick is he likes to spin twice, so like 720 degrees, and then he likes to rear, and then from the rear, he jumps into a bug, and then he bucks like four times or five times, and that's really hard to stay on. That's his, that's his move. Figure out a number. How many times have you fallen off of him? <laughs> Honestly, like... So many. And <laughs> I've fallen off at the walk a lot, which is really surprising. But I feel like that's when you least expect it. Yeah, like we're kind of relaxed and then mm-hmm. he'll spin or something and I'm on the ground and then he's looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think he does that? 
I don't think he does it in a mean-spirited way. Yeah. I think he's just, I think part of what makes him such a good jumper is he's very observant. Uh-huh. He notices everything. Yep. And he has a lot of spirit. And I think when you put those qualities together, you also get a horse who notices gray ponies coming <laughs> towards them and finds that problematic. Yes. Well, expresses dissatisfaction by spinning, and then mm-hmm. I end up off. So, yeah, <laughs> I think it's I think it's a lot of the qualities that make him so good at what he does that also makes him so spunky. And I really, honestly, wouldn't change anything about him. I love it. So, did those quirks freak you out in in the beginning, like when you didn't know him really well? They didn't freak me out, but I would get I used to get a little bit nervous when he would start rearing and bucking like that. Mm-hmm. But now I think it's funny. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I honestly, he's been great for me. He's really taught me how to stay on in most cases. So now some of my other horses, when they buck or something like that, I'm usually pretty prepared for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Have you been a user of sticky spray with him? A couple times, yes, but I actually don't like sticky spray, so yeah. I don't use it normally. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what else do we have here? What is he like at home? Is he a lot different at home than he is when you are showing him? Yes, definitely. At the show, he's really, really fresh. He's normally wild the first few days, like really wild. He has a lot of energy, but at home, he's actually one of the lazier horses I have, funnily mm. enough. He's really relaxed at home normally. He goes out in the paddock for five hours a day. He's super, super chill and relaxed. And when I'm riding him, he's really lazy. And I have to like be like, come on, Wings, we have to work today. (laughs) Um, So he's totally different at home versus at the show. Once he's at the show, what do you do uh, those first couple days to get him down a little bit? I try not to work him like too hard uh, because I don't want to, I don't want to take too much out of him before the show, obviously, but I try to do kind of a lot of like walking and kind of relaxed work. So he gets to kind of look around and observe his surroundings, which I think helps make him more settled, but I don't, I don't want to work him too, too hard because I want to save the power for the big classes we have to jump. And then also I think taking him out for some hand walks and grazing and stuff like that's really good for him because he gets to look around and he loves to be outside and look around. That's like his favorite yeah. thing. But then when he's eating and he puts his head down, I think it really lets him relax and mm-hmm. kind of just enjoy being a horse also. Totally. How is he for the bigger trips or trips that involve a flight? He's a really, really good traveler. Awesome. He doesn't get super stressed. I think a lot of these horses, once they get to this level, they're, they kind of get used to traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously some travel better than others. Uh, he's been really good. He drinks really well always. So that's really helpful also. Totally. Awesome. What do you do, especially initially when you were first getting to know Wings, staying calm when he started misbehaving? Good question. I'm trying to think back because it was 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the one thing about Wings that is maybe a little different from other horses is when he's kind of spinning and acting up or something like that, he doesn't respond well to kind of like, if you try to kick him forward or kind of get him to go forward. I learned that very quickly that that will actually make things worse. Like he'll get more (laughs) cranky with me. So the best thing that I found that works with him is I just sit really, really still. 
and I just kind of waited out. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he kind of stops and we take a second to breathe. Then normally he's like, okay, I'll, I'll do what you want or something like that. So with him, I just found that you can't really be too, too firm with him because he doesn't react very well. So the best thing to do is just to sit quiet and let him kind of get it out of his system. And then we go on about our day like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Do you still get on once you're in the ring? <laughs> Not lately. Okay. For, okay. I'm going to jinx myself. <laughs> Knock on all the wood. <laughs> the past year or so, he's been really, really good. So it just helps if someone kind of walks next to him. I think it makes him feel a bit more comfortable. So mm-hmm. my groomer, my trainer kind of just like Pat's neck and walks next to me on our way into the ring and he's been really good but uh we did have to walk on foot for for a while Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um so looking forward obviously this year has been much different for planning and what we were hoping to do but what are some goals you have looking into the next year or two when this whole quarantine sort of everything stopped Thing happened, I kind of sat down with myself and I was thinking about like, how can I really maximize this time that I have and really improve myself as much as possible. So I'm just kind of seeing this time that we have as a really good opportunity for me to work on the things that I think are my weaknesses as a rider. And sometimes when we're competing, it's obviously really hard to be working on the little minutia when you're jumping a meter 50 course or something like that. Um, yeah. Those are kind of the first things to, the things you're trying to fix are kind of the first things to go out the window. I think. Totally. So I'm trying to use this time to be very deliberate and thoughtful about the things that I really want to get right and really get solid in doing. So mm-hmm. I'm using the time to flat at home and doing the, you know, the exercise that I mentioned before, like the poles on the ground to be really um, deliberate about working on these specific things so that hopefully um, this this year, I'd say, which I think is going to be quite different for us. After this year, I'll be hopefully a better rider for it. Yeah, totally. What would be an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? The one thing that for me has been really important and something that I still continue to kind of work on and want to improve that is the mental side of the sport. I think that I have definitely had times when my confidence was hurt and kind of lowered and struggling with feeling like I wasn't good enough or I would never be good enough or I would never figure it out or something like that. Or like we touched on earlier, just letting one bad round make me feel like I was just a terrible rider and I would never figure it out. I think it's a very important side, this mental side. And I think that side of it is something that can benefit every rider and also is something that I myself continue to try to work on mastering. Totally. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And it's such a mental sport. And you look at a lot of other top athletes in other, you know, sports and other areas that work consistently with mental coaches and how that really does improve their game. And I think that it's something that the equestrian industry, especially with how mental it is and how easily our thoughts can totally self-destruct us, that, you know, really kind of honing in on that mindset is so important. Yes, definitely. 
Well, Karen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. It was awesome getting to know you more and getting to know Wings more. And (laughs) I just wish you all the best. Hopefully I'll see you in Florida. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.